Let us pray. Lord God, we approach you this morning with gratitude. Gratitude for a beautiful sunny day, gratitude for the ways you provide for us, and gratitude for your holy word. We pray that you pour out your spirit upon us. You illumine our hearts and our minds so that as we hear these words, we join with all of the church throughout time and throughout this world to benefit from your communication, from your presence with us this morning and forever. In Christ's name, amen. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 26 to 39. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then they arrived at the region of the Gerasenes, which is opposite of Galilee. And as he stepped out on a shore, a man from the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had not worn any clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, shouting, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside was a large herd of swine that was feeding. And the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these swine. So he gave them permission. And then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd stampeded down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then the people came out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus, and they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they became frightened. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. And then the whole throng of people of the surrounding region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, return to your home. And declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. God, thank you for this space, this community to worship in. And I pray that now you prepare our hearts. That the words that come out of my mouth become your words through me. And that you lead us forward from this place to live the lives you've called us to. In community and in love. In Christ's name, amen. This is one of those stories that force us to admit something a little controversial and a little embarrassing as followers of Jesus. But I hope that we all can admit it. 
And that is that there are parts of the Bible that we all purposefully skip because it's a little awkward. There are parts of the Bible that we don't really like to enjoy so much. We've been to weddings before. This is not a wedding Bible passage, especially if you're having pork at the reception. There are parts of the Bible we don't enjoy so much. There are entire books of the Bible we don't enjoy so much. I'm sure most of you don't read Obadiah regularly. Most of you don't read Revelation regularly. Newsflash, most of us don't read these books as regularly. It's because there are certain things that are more familiar, more comfortable, more exciting. But even when we get into the nitty-gritty, we start to read more of the Gospels, read more about Jesus. There are certain stories we like better than others. Jesus is great because, like this mailbox, Jesus often uses metaphors and object lessons to make things make sense. We like that. We don't like weird passages like this talking about demons and pigs going for a dip in a lake that end up not making it to the end of the story. It's not at the top of our lists. And the reality is sometimes we get to lists of names. I know Derek preached a sermon a few weeks ago about how important lists of names are. But sometimes we get to the list of names, especially genealogies, and we kind of skim through until we get to the next important thing. We're like, we get it, Jesus was born, but let's get the story moving. But we need to step away from that urge and try to wrestle with some of these stories. It reminds me, my dad, I used to make fun of him all the time. He'll hear this at some point, so he'll get a kick out of this on Father's Day. But my dad, he's got no time to waste on slow TV shows anymore. He's got that remote angled up the entire time. Click, click, click. If the dialogue's too slow, move it on. Click it forward. He, he lets the Steelers game start for like an hour and a half before he watches so he can skip through not just commercials, but the plays that aren't so exciting. He's like, oh, that was a bad play. Let's keep it. Interception, we're skipping 10 minutes. Okay, let's go. We skip through stuff in our lives all the time, and Scripture is an area that we also sometimes skip and skim through, but we shouldn't. Now, that's as much for me to hear as it is for you all, but this is a story that we have to sit with. It's strange. Usually, we read a story like this, and we go, okay, Jesus is better than demons. Let's move on to the next story. So hopefully, a little bit of context will help. This is from Luke chapter 8. Earlier in Luke chapter 8, we get all kinds of awesome stories Jesus tells, a lot that would be more fun to preach on in some ways. It starts with Jesus using the famous analogy of the the parable of the sower. And he says, listen, sometimes the word of God is like a seed, and and there's different ways that people receive the word of God. Sometimes it it gets scorched before this seed can grow. Sometimes it gets snatched up by birds. Sometimes it never takes root because it's amongst the rocks. But sometimes the seed is good, and it takes root, and it provides growth and good fruit. Then Jesus says another famous one-liner right after that. He says, listen, no one puts lamps under bushels. Lamps are put on lampstands so that light can shine to everybody. So you should be a light that shines to everybody. We like that one. We can be lights. And then after that, it's one of these like awkward moments with Jesus. The crowd had gotten so big at that point, because these are some of Jesus' best sermons, that he gets separated from his brothers and his mother. And someone goes, hey, your brothers and mother are over on the other side of the crowd. And Jesus says, the people that hear the word of God and do it, those are my brothers and mother. 
It's like, man, I really don't know if I'd want to be that guy that was trying to help Jesus out and got another lesson right in the middle of it. And then after that one, Jesus goes onto a boat, takes a nap, a great storm comes, the disciples are stressed out, and he wakes up and says, why were you afraid? You of little faith. And he calms a storm. We like that story. And that story ends, and on the other side of that lake is where this story starts. So that's it. Now that you know all the stuff that led up to this story, it makes sense, right? I'll sit down now. No, I mean, it's still a little strange, and maybe we're, you know, drawing out a little bit too much, but there are things in this story that make it uncomfortable. Usually in the West, in the modern day, we don't really like to talk so much about demons. It's something that's not really in our daily repertoire of conversations, like gas prices are up, heat waves down, lost power, also demons. Like, it's just not part of the, our culture in the same way. So sometimes we skim over it. But it's part of this story. It's part of the Gospels. It's part of our heritage as followers of Jesus. And so it's not something we can just shrug off. When we look at this story, there are a few things that are happening that are important to pay attention to. But sometimes just the demon language alone is too much of a hurdle for us to get past. A few years ago, we had Dr. Tom Long here. He's a you know, famous professor of homiletics. So everyone knows what that means. He's a really good preacher and teaches preaching. That's what that means. And Dr. Tom Wong was here, and he was teaching all kinds of things, different parts of the weekend, but he ended up teaching one thing about parables, and he kind of went off on a little side tangent about how we struggle with miracles, which is really bizarre if we're followers of Jesus. He says, look, we're good with Jesus being God. God loves us, all that good stuff. Resurrection, no problem. But water into wine... Don't know. Feeding the 5,000. Did anyone watch it happen? Like, we're not sure. Walking on water. That's interesting. Raising the dead to life. Haven't seen that either. Uh, Miracles are hard for us to accept, especially in the modern day. There are a lot of things on the internet, and we're not seeing many miracles in real time. But Dr. Tom Wong made the point, and I think it's a really important one, the moment that you accept that Jesus is the Son of God, the moment you say out loud that you believe God became a human being and walked on earth for 30-some years, you've accepted the most ridiculous miracle of all. And if you've accepted that one, then all of these other ones just make sense. If you accept that Jesus is exactly who Jesus said he was, these other miracles are part of the package. So we read a story like this, and, and we start to read about the little in-between parts, and we're like, okay, like I, can, I can wrestle with the idea that Jesus wins in the battle of wills against demons. Like I, I can accept that even though like the idea of like paranormal activity on some level isn't something in my daily routine, but logically... When Paul says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the world, that that there are other things and forces going on beyond us. Sure, I can get on that train with my brain. And I can also get on board with the idea that Jesus is stronger. Jesus conquers. Jesus liberates us from those things. But often the miracles in these stories distract us from the things that we can actually do something with. 
I promise I'm not trying to squirm my way out of dealing with a really strange passage, but it's interesting to me that we often focus on the miracle part and not the aftermath part of these stories. I mean, think about the story of Jonah and the whale. We call it Jonah and the whale. We're so caught up on the whale, the miracle, this this crazy moment. Jonah leaves the opposite direction from what God calls him to, and God swallows him up with a whale to save him from the water and have him have some alone time. Imagine if, like, you were so bad at alone time, God sent a whale for you to reflect. Like, you're going to pray today. The, the important part of Jonah's story is that he goes and he preaches the worst sermon ever to the Ninevites, one of my favorite stories, and they actually repent and become followers of, of Israelites' God, God, and they are forgiven of their sins, and Jonah is mad about it. Jonah, the prophet that's been called to proclaim the word of the Lord. Jonah, this follower of God that's supposed to be a, a vessel of love and light, is mad that God actually loves and forgives. That's the rubber meeting the road in Jonah's story, not the whale. It's an important part of the story, sure, but what we wrestle with is is the second half. And, and here, it's, it's similar. We're looking at this, this miraculous moment that is strange for all kinds of reasons. Scholars have a lot to say about this story. Do the pigs represent Rome? Do the pigs represent us? What's going on with these pigs? There's a lot of debates. You can put this version of the story next to Matthew's version of the story. It's very interesting. What's more interesting to me is the aftermath Because only half of this passage is about the pigs and the demon. The second half is about everyone's response to it. Jesus liberates this man from these demons, these spirits. And now he's finally clothed and he's in his right mind. And and the people that were there and saw it left and told everyone they could about it. They went into the city. They went into the country. And now everyone comes back and they see Jesus and they hear firsthand what had actually happened. And their response is, please leave. Once again, in the story of Scripture, we read something that's a little bit jarring, a little bit surprising, but it's probably relatable if we're honest. People were in the presence of God himself, in the flesh, and asked him to go away. Why? Well, if you're just a bystander watching this happen and you're a pig herder that watches all of your pigs jump off a cliff, it's not like you just get free pigs afterwards. It's not exactly an exciting thing to watch happen. It's a terrifying thing. Jesus starts to take action to liberate and heal this man of an ailment that's been bothering him for years and years. But it wasn't something that was as clear to the rest of the people watching. And the Gerasenes in this scene, no pun intended, are watching Jesus and they ask him to leave. But that's our story too. We come together and we worship and we proclaim the name of the Lord. We sing songs to remind ourselves of what we worship and how we worship and why we worship. But the reason that we turn away from Jesus is because we prefer to put God in our box. We prefer to have Jesus in our lives on our terms. We want God to act the way that we act and to do the things we want God to do, to love the people we love and to hate the people we hate. And the problem is Jesus isn't on board with that. Jesus 
made just about every people group in the New Testament not happy. His own disciples were confused half the time with what Jesus was doing. In this scene, what we, what we find are people that are not happy with the way God is acting. And I think often we find ourselves in a similar place. We want God to be involved in our lives and we want to show up for those things so long as they line up with our plans. The problem is Jesus has better plans than us. And sometimes the things we think we want, the things we think are best for us, are actually not at all what God has in store for us. Sometimes when we get so tunnel visioned on our own ideas and our own plans of what we want God to do for us or do in our lives, we can't see what God is already doing. And like the Gerasenes, Rather than stay in the presence of the divine, we'd rather him just go away because we're frightened of what a life without the things we find most important might look like because we're frightened that God might call us to something that we're not too comfortable with. We're frightened that following God might mean giving up a few things that we really, really like. And so the question becomes, what are the pigs in our own lives that we're clinging to? Now, pigs aren't bad. Actually, pigs are kind of cute. I like farm animals. They're really smart, apparently. And even for the Jews that viewed pigs as unclean, it's not like they viewed them as evil animals. Sometimes the things in our lives that we cling to aren't bad things. But if we cling to something that's not Jesus, if we choose something over God because we think it will give us the means by which to survive or to fulfill our lives, we're missing it. Imagine finding out later that you were in the presence of God in the flesh and you chose your livelihood over God. When we truly follow Jesus, it changes everything. It changes the way we see community. It changes the way we see our money. It changes the way that we see volunteering and mission. It changes the way we view music and nature. It changes every part of us, or it should. God doesn't want half of us, three quarters of us. God wants all of us. But so long as we fall into the mindset that we can just give up the things we kind of want and keep God at a distance, as if we could tame God to our wills, we might as well be telling Jesus to go away. Now that's only part of the story. That's only one set of characters from this story. The other character that we've left out for the wrap-up of this is is the man that was set free. The man that was healed of these demons. The man that that doesn't know what life looks like anymore. He's been dealing with this problem for so long, he doesn't know what to do but follow Jesus. And so the text says that he goes and tries to join Jesus. He says he begs to follow Jesus, and Jesus says no. He turns him away. There were already too many roster spots filled with the 12 disciples, I guess. Jesus says, no, 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 you're not supposed to come with me here. Go home and go into all of your country and declare what God has done for you. And the text says that the man went home and into his country and proclaimed everything that Jesus had done for him. What we are awesome at is getting together and celebrating and worshiping in the name of God. What we are not so awesome at is leaving this place and telling people the story of what God's been doing in our lives. 
We literally talk about the gospel, the good news of the gospel every time we come together for worship because we have to remind ourselves of what it is we're doing here, why we're worshiping, why we believe it's worth getting up on a Sunday morning at 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. with AC or no AC. It doesn't matter. We choose to come together to worship. Why? Because of the good news of the gospel. And Jesus commands us to go out and share that same story. And sometimes we get a little stressed out. We're like, oh my goodness, i got to have four points about what I'm going to tell someone. I've got to have a church event to invite. No, you don't. Just tell your story. Tell the story of what God has done for you in your life. You don't have to quote the story about a bunch of demons going into some pigs and taking a dip in the lake. You don't have to quote Revelation. You don't have to quote the Old Testament. Sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is share the story of how God has changed your life. There are people in this story, the Gerasenes, that see Jesus in the flesh and ask him to go away. His plans didn't line up with their plans. Sometimes we fall into that category. But there's also this other man who was so fundamentally changed by the actions of the divine, he couldn't go back to the way things were. He had to go. He had to share his story. I hope that you feel like you have to share your story. Remember the context of Luke 8. We've got a parable about seeds that tell us that sometimes seeds look good, but they actually don't end up producing fruit. Only time will tell. We've got a parable about a lamp that shines light into our lives. We're called to be a light that shines light into the darkness. We're told that you can't just claim to be a follower of Jesus. You're, if you're a brother or a mother or a family member of Jesus, it's because you hear the word of God and do it. And then Jesus is on a boat in a storm and calms it and asks, why were you afraid? All of this leads to a story that allows people to choose whether or not they want to follow Jesus or not. All of this leads to a moment where there's one person who walks away from this major event ready to shine a light into the darkness, ready to be a seed that produces fruit, ready to go and do the will of the Lord because he heard it. May we also be those people. May we be honest about the pigs and the things in our lives that we cling to because we want them so badly. May we be able to release them so that we can actually follow where God's leading us now. And may we go from this place and proclaim our story of what God's done in our lives. Your story is the most powerful thing you can share because God loves you and chose you for that moment. Don't take that lightly. Don't take it for granted. Go from this place and declare all that the Lord has done for you. Amen.